For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, myself and Bully Ray talk to the newest NXT superstar, Lola Vice, before her big match, her first ever singles match against Roxanne Perez. Also, we have the one and only Chris Jericho talking about AEW Dynamite at Arthur Ashe Stadium and the progression of the AEW locker room right now on the Busted Open podcast. First of all, thanks for coming in, Chris Jericho. Always a blast. It's the first time we've been in studio in like years. All together, yeah. 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 And there was a memory that came up the other day. I posted it to Instagram uh, like last Thursday was when... Me, you, and Heyman were at ACDC, ACDC with Axel in the garden. That's right. That's... We're, we're hanging out, having a great time, and then all of a sudden, Heyman just pops up out of nowhere in a suit, in a and suit. he's like, hey, can I hang out with you guys? Well, I knew that he was coming, because he actually wanted to come He wanted to come with us, because Jack Slade was there, too. Right. His dad was playing drums at the time. So I remember that Heyman was... Hey, I came with Heyman. You were sitting a few... Uh, uh, seats down, right? And then you came and joined us. That's also the night that I asked Vince to come to ACDC, and I was like, "What if he says yes? What do I do? Like, do, like, do I have to get a box now? Like, because Vince would Vince sit in the crowd, and he's like, I want... that's when he tore his quad.' But you did go see ACDC one night with Vince, right? No, that was uh, some guys went. Cena was there with him. But what concert did you go to with Vince? And we're talking about Vince McMahon, people. Where <laughs> after the concert was over. He wanted to go work out. It, that was it. Was it wasn't the concert? So we, we took a we took a, a flight. It was from Orlando to to White Plains when we were doing Tough Enough, and it was me and Vince and Kevin and, and Triple H. And those guys fell asleep, and Vince and I just stayed up drinking, listening to ACDC okay. and the Stones. We landed at four a.m. And he goes, let's go to the gym. And I said, I can't go to the gym. I got pressed at like 7 a.m. He goes, oh, I got to be at the office at 6.30. Let's go to the gym. I'm like, dude, you're just drunk. There's no way. I go back to, to the hotel. I go to sleep. I wake up literally two and a half hours later. I got a message on my phone, a picture of Vince in the gym. And he wrote, Vince 1, Jericho 0. Tremendous. That's awesome. <laughs> it's it's Listen, every time you come in, Chris, we got something new to promote. And we're, I want to get into the Rock and Wrestling Rager, even though it's already sold out. I'm going to be a part of it. Bully's going to be a part of it as well. Always looking forward to it. Um, and, it's, and it's hard to be a part of that cruise now because everybody that goes wants to go to the next time. That the, right. There's a lot of repeat customers for the cruise, right? Yeah, especially for talent. Like even like last year, for example, uh, Matt Cardona was like, 
when I first said yes, I didn't know what I was getting myself into, and I thought I was just going to get besieged by fans the whole time. And then he goes, this was like the best time I've ever had. Because it's not that. I mean, fans are cool. You, you do your autograph signings, and you do your, your things that you have to do. The rest of the time, it's just one big giant party. Yeah. And I think the more people that go on the cruise realize that the word of mouth starts getting around. Like, this is like, it literally is the best cruise you could go on out of all the theme cruises. I know people that go on the Kiss Cruise and go on my cruise and say yours is so much more fun. It's it's more fun than any other one you could go on. And when that word of mouth gets around, that's why the cruise sells out so quickly. Truly, Bully, and I'm not bullshitting here, truly the best vacation I've ever been on. Yeah, because it's that first Anybody cruise. that I've spoke to, yeah. fans, and Cardona put it over yeah. just the way you said it. He's like, man, you're going to have the best time. And after the first day, like the whole novelty wears yeah. off for the fans, and then you're just hanging out with a bunch of you know cool wrestling fans who are there to have a good time. And the thing that's cool that the fans like is I always make sure to book people like last year we had you know like uh ryan nemeth doing comedy or like you know that sort of a thing you know swerve strickland does a does a concert max castor does a concert like whatever the guys like to do outside of just being wrestlers mickey james played last year in the cruise fans love seeing that too to show kind of the diversity because as you know there's very talented people in the business so that's kind of a chance for for, for people to go out and do different things like that too all right so i gotta i I just want to ask you before we go any farther you've wrestled in front of eighty thousand people before but you finally got to play in front of eighty thousand people just take me through that and and what it felt like was it different for you was it different to for fozzy to play in wembley as opposed to a club or to wrestle in front of eighty thousand? well okay so so conversely just to, to before I answer that, it's like we've played in front of, you know, download 40,000 people. We played a stadium show with Iron Maiden in L.A. in front of 30,000 people. This was different than that because I had to do both of them basically at the same time. So it was amazing to play Wembley and just it's freaking Wembley Stadium, as we know, obviously home of Live Aid and, and the greatest gig of all time, Queen in 85. But the thing that makes me really appreciate it was like I kind of bit off not more than I can chew but I I, I took a big chunk of, of a bite because we start off on top of the platform and I do the Freddie Mercury and by the way you're the one who suggested I put you over for this about playing myself to the ring in the first place and I was like at first I was like you think and then I was like it's such a no brainer no one's ever done it but we start on top of the platform I do the Freddie Mercury call and response, and then this kind of intro for Judas starts. I got like 45 seconds to run down a flight of stairs, run across a, a, an aisleway where the soundboard was and kind of squeeze past the soundboard. Then there's a ladder. I got to climb over like a canopy and walk a 10-foot ladder down to the arena floor, stadium floor, holding a microphone with the inner ears and hit the ground in time to sing You Are Beautiful on the inside. So that was kind of like... It was amazing, but then I got 45 seconds to run down, I gotta, and then I got to sing, and then I sing, and it's amazing, and then I got to have a match with Will Ospreay for another 15, 17 minutes. So it was just, it was such a cool experience, and to play that with Wembley and to say that we've played Wembley Stadium, and, and dude, I mean, what more can you do than have that chance to do that? And, and once again, I don't think anyone's ever done it before, so it was a pretty cool moment. And you keep, like, when you look at your career, and there's been so many highlights, but now you're just creating moments. And, like, you must be just having a blast right now on this run, right? Yeah, I mean, if there was no AEW, I don't know if I'd still be even in the business anymore, you know? Um, I might be still working in New Japan, but then the pandemic came, and I, I wouldn't have been doing the two-week quarantine. I wouldn't have done that at all. So I, I think the reason why I love AEW and the way the reason why I'm still so excited about wrestling is because, um, because of the momentum that we have, the creative 
um, not freedom because it's not like I have creative control, but just the, the chance to be creative and collaborate and not have to to worry like what am I doing on Wednesday? Like I know what I'm doing because we've mapped it out and wrote it for the next two or three months, or at least know where we're going. Here's here's the bullet points. Um, so yeah, and, and and like you said, just creating moments, but still being able to you know have great matches like with Osprey, which, which I thought went really awesome. And, and, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago, me and Sammy versus Aussie open, that was a great match. And then the, the, the segment we did last week with the promo, like it's just, it's, it's really flowing right now. Um, and it's exciting and it's fun. And there's a lot of passion there. I, I re, kind of re, re, uh, gained my love for wrestling. I think that's the biggest thing about AEW. Who do you find that you're collaborating with, the best right now would it be an old friend like a don Callis yeah. or a, a a younger mind like a sammy guevara don and i are, are are coming up with a lot of cool stuff and tony's quite involved too uh you know and sammy throws in ideas whoever i'm kind of working with that's like this is not like i'm the guy who comes up with everything like i have maybe some ideas and and sammy has some ideas but but mostly don and i kind of because this is all overarching story that started back in edmonton which i think was in june and we knew it would involve it would, it would involve so many players from the jericho appreciation society to will osprey to you know there's other parts that are coming up that i don't want to give away but it was the story still got a long way to go shall we say and arthur ash tomorrow night queens new york uh, Mark and I are going to be doing a show from there tomorrow, which I'm really looking forward to that you can hear right here on Sirius XM Fight Nation. And this match with Sammy Guevara, an interesting story going into this match because it's really based on respect. So it's an old school matchup between somebody that is, in your eyes, probably the, the future of AEW, correct? Yeah, and once again, I mean, it's a story that's been four years in the making. Yeah. Sammy and I have never had a one-on-one -on -one match, and we've been together literally since the first episode of Dynamite, you know? And we discussed that last week when he came in with the with the panda head and, you know, all that sort of thing. But I, I saw him on that NWA pay-per-view, and I remember calling Tony, uh, this guy's great, like, we should sign him. Who is this guy? Can we get him? So there's been a lot of history there, and, and, and you know, we really have been able to tell this story and put these pieces in the right spot. Uh, even having Sammy kind of accompany me at Wembley, you know, like that was the reason why he was there. And he's been connected with me for so long that, you know, it really was a, a perfect time to have this match in Arthur Ashe because we wanted to do something for, special for New York City. Obviously, every show we've had at Arthur Ashe so far has been been a huge success. And you try and give, you know, New York something a little bit extra, which New York demands. Yep. So we thought, you know, do we do this match at Wembley? Do we do it in Chicago at All Out? And it's like, why don't we just wait and, and do another couple of weeks and really steer it into Arthur Ashe uh, at the right place at the right time? And I think we have some great momentum. We've told a great story. And there's a lot of different ways that the, the tale can go. So it's kind of a choose-your-own-adventure, and, and, and we're going to choose that adventure for you. At 52 years old, you're keeping up with guys' styles that most 52-year-old guys probably could not do. And I don't know of anybody who's doing it. I mean, I'm 52, and I'm not, I don't think I could have gone with Osprey the way you went with Osprey. You had told me at a Fozzie concert last year about your new training regimen and things that you're doing. What is helping you, allowing you to continue to do this with the AEW-esque, New Japan-esque style at this stage of the game? 
It's so funny, like when you say you're 52 years old. I'm like, no, I'm, like, no, I'm not. But, but, we, but we are. No, no but I know. But age catches no, no, up with but, us eventually. But that's what I'm saying. Like to me, it's like it's such a strange concept to think that. Like fucking 52. What? I remember telling Lance Storm in Calgary when we trained, like, I'll, I'll do this until I'm 29 or 30, probably, and then I'll move on. You know, like, so I, I think I think a lot of it is just muscle memory at this point. I've been very lucky. Um, from a from a, a cognitive standpoint of what my body is like, and and, and plus I've I've my schedule is not full time. Uh, I've taken time off over the years when I needed it, and I think once again, if I was wrestling like we used to, Bubba, like Billy Bully, sorry, like five days a week at times, every week it never ended. There's no way. There's no way I could ever do that. Nor would I want to. Working once, but when your body is in a perpetual state of movement and pain, like it was back in the day, it almost seems like it's easier to suck it up as opposed to wrestling yeah. every other week or every three weeks, where you start to heal up again, but then you start to pound your body. I would think that it would hurt more. Yeah, I don't know, man. I guess maybe I'm just a little bit of a freak of nature or something because I I don't feel. And that you're at so all. uncoordinated, also in the terrible. Ring. <laughs> I'm the worst. I'm the worst athlete. You know that. I'm the worst athlete ever. That's a pro athlete. I can't throw a ball. I tried to throw a ball. To, I tried to throw a ball to my dog the other day. My 17-year-old daughter threw it further. It's like, oh, that's terrible. I got a little stick that I put a, a ball on now and throw it. But yeah, man, I, I just I think I think a lot of it is just mentally. Mentally, I'm stimulated, creatively stimulated. I'm excited and I'm really invested in AEW. You know, all the highs and lows and highs that we've had, like and, and, and my my status in the company, whatever it is that I am from being here since day one as one of the most experienced guys, I really believe in what we're doing. And and I think that that has such a huge bearing on it. If I didn't want to be doing this, it would probably really affect me physically. But I'm excited, you know, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to, you know, do a press day. I mean, we used to do press days, you know, all the time. And this is like the first press day I've had in a while. And it's like, I love this, man. This is what I've been doing since I was 19 years old. And I'll keep doing this until I feel I can't have the, the, the best match on the show on any given night. Not every night, but on any given night. And then and then I look at a guy like Sting, who also has the best show, the best match on any given night. He's done it before. Gosh, he's 10, 12 years older than I am. I know, like I don't wear paint like Sting does or Paul Stanley or Gene Simmons, but maybe I'll just do the pain maker thing and just cover more of my face if I go over. <laughs> How proud are you of a lot of the wrestlers on this roster? Because during this this run with AEW, let's just, MJF is a perfect example. Like you work with MJF to, you know, MJF said, I did a town hall with him until he got involved with you. He didn't really know where he was going with AEW connected with you and now he's the world champion and next to you the biggest star probably in AEW. How proud are you of what you've seen from Max during this run? Very proud. Very, very proud. I, I was very proud of that. We, we literally, our story went a year. It was like, I think it was like 366 days from, from our first meeting. Uh, I remember Tony Schiavone, we did a split screen. We both said, what an idiot at the same time to the last time we did whatever we did. Um, and that was the idea. That's the idea of anything that I've done in AEW. It's not about me anymore. You know, I'm not the future of AEW. A guy like Max is, and still is not even half as good as he's going to be three or four years from crazy. now. And I just, I just tried to teach him a few things, but he, he you know, he's a natural, right? But to work with him or, or to work with, 
you know, Sammy, Danny Garcia, Orange Cassidy, the stuff I've done with Darby Allen, um, you know, working with Mox when he first came in. I mean, Mox was not the Mox he is now when he first came to AEW. Neither was Cody when we when we did our first feud. He was not the same guy. Um, so just being with those guys and, 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 and learning together and working together has just been a blast. And that's like, I'll, you know, I say this to like Matt Hardy or, or Christian. Like there's no need for Jericho and Christian to have a match or Jericho and Matt. We've seen that match a thousand times. To me, that would almost feel like early 2000s TNA. Like where you, like I don't want to do that. Why don't we just put 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 Matt with, with uh, Isaiah Cassidy and put Christian with, Jack Perry and, and, and put Jericho with, you know, Sammy Guevara or, or, you know, all these Will Ospreay. And, you know, that that's how you can really, you both benefit each other. They get the rub from working with an experienced guy. You get the rub from working with a younger guy and it's still contemporary. And all these matches are fresh matches. And that's what it's all about. You know, I really enjoyed working with Ricky Starks this year. And I'm just trying to think of all the guys that I've been with. Eddie Kingston, man, we had a great feud Eddie Kingston. I love Eddie Kingston. I never even knew who the hell Eddie Kingston was. Never heard of him. I thought when they first brought him in that he was Eddie Edwards. I didn't know Eddie Kingston. Who is that? Guy's fucking great, man. What, what, a, what a great talent that never had a chance, and now he's really starting to to blossom into what he what he's going to be. So I'm very proud of all those guys to see that, their development. You talked earlier about the ups and downs of AEW at times. We see the highs. We see the lows also. Try to help tighten the screws, give suggestions. With your relationship with Tony, other than your own things that you're doing, do you have that open door with him where you are giving him suggestions? Like, Tony, I've been around for 30 years. I have I was in WCW when it was at its low, and I was in WWE when it's at its high. Do you give him suggestions of, of how to help the company progress from a product point uh, standpoint or maybe a backstage standpoint when it comes to like a, a strong talent relations well i mean the answer the short answer is yes i mean and, and there's also other people that are higher up in the company we're, we're, we're working together to suggest you know and the thing with with aws we grew so fast like dude look at our company now and look at the infrastructure. It's like I was reading WWE layoffs the other day, and there's people like the head of marketing and development executive, you know, serious division. I'm like, what is this position? Like, I don't even know what this means. WWE is such a huge infrastructure. We do not. Now, we need to grow that, but who's the right people? we got to identify the place where we need a little bit of growth and go from there. And, you know, and, and Tony... Is, is is very organized and Tony's very passionate. But once again, here we are four years in. There's a lot of stuff that none of us know. We've never ran our own company before. But we, we learned, I mean, we learned a lot from Vince. Let's be honest, you did too. And I think, you know, Tony's Tony, Vince was Vince, and, and you have to work within the boss's system. And people say, you should do this and you should say that. It, it all rests on what Tony Khan wants to do. And what Tony Khan wants to do is continue to grow AEW. That's what Chris Jericho wants to do. That's what Brian Danielson wants to do. So John Moxley wants wants to do. So we all working together to patch up maybe some of the holes and continue to to, to build this wall higher and higher and higher that we've that we've done. You know, and, and to me, just to see that growth so quickly is a little bit scary. And we're now f figuring out what we need to do to continue to grow. And we talked about it. I mean, Dynamite hasn't even been on TV for four years. No. And you're doing a show at Wembley in front of 80,000 fans. Like, it's pretty crazy when you think about it. But at the same time, it might be a little frustrating because, unfortunately, in this world that we live in, especially in the pro wrestling community, 
instead of talking about how good the show was, right. they're talking about stuff that went on right. backstage. And it's it's something that needs to be rectified because, I, I, Bill, Bill, you and I talked about, like, how can a backstage quarrel, I know about it in New Jersey 10 minutes after it happened, and I was reading about it, like, during the opening match. Like, it's pretty, it's got to be frustrating. Well, I mean, it's it's wrestling, though, man. You know, it's it's only rock and roll. You know what I mean? And I think, I think people like to focus on negative. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember when I got in a fight with Goldberg in Milwaukee, it was out on the whatever version of the internet was then 10 minutes later. People were texting me like, I was, I was like who, the, who the fuck is saying this? And I was standing this far away from it. It's right. crazy. Like, right. it was right there. Right there. Yeah. So, so it's not like this is the first time there's been incidents backstage. It happens. I just think now with, with social media that people want to jump on the negative, negative, negative. And, like, you know, we know the issues, and, and the issues are, are you know, have, have been rectified. But the point is, it's like there's so much positive things going mm-hmm. on. And those things are always kind of a little bit downplayed. But it's the negative that gets that gets focused on. I know what's going on in the locker room and we know what areas we need to work on and you can't I mean negative press is, is negative press once again you still got out of those 81,000 people how many people know what even happened or even really care you know what I mean I mean, the, the hardcore and the, and, and the, the journalists and the guys who, who do this care and, and we should but there's also fans like you know not just 81,000 but how about being number one on cable you know once again four weeks in a row I mean number one the number one show and of all shows is AEW so to me, that's that's a huge positive that also gets kind of lost in the shuffle, you know, because you know somebody is in a bad mood one day or whatever it may be. It, it, it happens. It's wrestling. We're all gypsies, tramps, and thieves, and there's going to be issues from time to time. Is the company better now than it was a month ago? Yes. yes. Fair enough. Absolutely. Um, more importantly, are you going to the last Kiss show at the Garden? I have some tickets to go. Um, I'd like to be there. We went to Madison Square Garden the last time Kiss played there. But my my question is, is it the last Kiss show? Yeah. Because I've already seen Louder Than Life next year, Kiss is on it. Is I, got, tr- I got 12 grand ready to spend on front row center tickets. Yeah. I mean, that's what they're at right now on Ticketmaster. I, I don't think it's going to be the last show. Because I'm telling you, bully, don't, don't waste your money. Because this is what I think is going to happen. No Peter Chris, no Ace Freely, right? No. So they're going to do this show, and then somehow, some way, they're going to mend that relationship, and they're going to go on one last tour. With no, no, band. no, 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 no. Ace couldn't do it. Here's my here's here's what I think it's going to be. But he's, but he's doing. He's, what are you talking about? He can't do it. He's been doing a tour. He can't even play his own solos. Though. Have you well, seen? Did you watch Detroit Rock City? Yeah. No, he played the. He was playing the solo like off it's, key or wrong key he, or something. He, he was in Cleveland and the band was in Pittsburgh. <laughs> Here's what I think is going to happen. Okay. Here's what I think is happen. This is the end of the road tour. Doesn't mean they can't do a residency in Las Vegas. Doesn't mean they can't do a festival appearance. You know, that's that's what I think because the set's the same. If it was the last show in the Garden, and they had Peter and. Ace and oh, let's go for everything. Vinnie Vincent shows up and Bruce Kulick is there, and it's like you know that would be something to see. I think it's going to be the basically same show that we saw at the Garden. You went to that mm-hmm. one, yeah. yeah. What was it? Three you were in the ago? front row. You were actually in the picture. Yeah, that the bad took. You're there with this big, yeah, cheesy crowd. <laughs> I was face. using the guardrail as a guitar. <laughs> My friend had to go to the bathroom, got locked out of the guard. He's like, I can't get back. I'm like, sorry, buddy. <laughs> Fuck you. I'm not leaving. Yep. I'm right in the front. So to me, it's 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 Kiss is always a great show, but as the last show, if it's just 
another Kiss show, like crew at freaking yeah. Forum. Like, what's the point, right? So, I, I I do have tickets though. Okay, I do have All tickets. Right. Now I remember it's Kiss. It's always great. You of have course, to go. It's Kiss in the Garden. Yeah. Well, the last time Kiss was at the Garden, you both were at that show, and I remember being at Stout with you both at the bar. And then when we got into the Garden, uh, you guys went on the floor, and I was in section four hundred and twenty-eight in row twenty-two. <laughs> Sounds about right. That's the difference. <laughs> That's the right. difference. There's a hierarchy here, Lebrecca. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, I'm I'm looking forward to the show at Arthur Ashe. Like you said, it it's it's New York City. Um, you've made Arthur Ashe your home. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, and AEW has done that where there's certain venues that, like, they're not following another company's blueprint. And you're making your own blueprint. And I'm and it's really cool to see AEW specific venues like Arthur. No, Ashe. it is, and especially in New York City because obviously the Garden is is such a stronghold. Uh, but it's it's events. Come, uh, building. I mean, Ring of Honor was there, but and same with Barkley and, and, and the other arenas too. But the thing with Arthur Ashe is like it's such a great wrestling venue. I can't believe no one ever had wrestling shows there before. The seats are up, the noise comes down. It's just a great atmosphere. So I think that's one of Tony Khan's, you know, genius moves. Uh, one of many in that he made like Arthur Ashe. Like you said it's it, when you see New York City AW, you know it's going to be Arthur Ashe and nobody else. I'm surprised. I say Vince, you know what I mean. I'm surprised nobody hasn't tried to go do a show there sure. just for the hell of it. But they haven't. We are, and it's going to be exciting. It's New York City, man. Great wrestling town. Great Jericho town. Uh, always has been, and uh, it's going to be a great show tomorrow night. So make sure you know you go check out Dynamite if you're not able to get there 8 p.m. Eastern time. But be, you know there's still tickets available. Go to Ticketmaster.com. Uh, make sure you're there. I'm going to be there. Mark Henry and I are going to be doing a show. Um, it's going to be five to seven right here on Sirius XM Fight Nation. We'll be talking to some of the biggest AEW superstars uh, from Arthur Ashe Stadium so make sure you check that out right here on Sirius XM Fight Nation. Chris, thank you for always being a friend of the show. Thank you for always supporting the show. Again, Talk is Jericho is right here on Sirius XM Fight Nation tonight so uh, thank you. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for $15 a month. 
to get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month. Go to mintmobile.com slash busted open. That's mintmobile.com slash busted open. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash busted open. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors, no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh Never Frozen Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Head to Factormeals.com Busted50 and use code Busted50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Busted50 at Factormeals.com Busted50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Again. Hey everyone, it's Howard Bender from the Andy Up Podcast. Every weekday, Adam Ronis and I serve you up the picks, plays, and fantasy information needed to win your bets. You know, this isn't just your average sports betting show, though, for one very good reason. We won't tell you what to do unless we've already done it ourselves. That's right. We put our money where our mouths are, so we're just as invested in each bet as you are. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts or listen on the SXM app, free for most subscribers. This is a big night for our next guest because first singles match on NXT tonight, 2 p.m. Eastern time on the USA Cable Network, and that is Lola Vice who joins us right now. How are you? Good morning. Morning. I'm so happy to be with you guys again. One year since we announced my um, signing with WWE. And today the world will see that this past year and a half I've been working very hard and they're going to see – um, my my talent, and um, they're gonna see me beat Roxanne. I will see. I hope so. My money's on you for sure, and I'm not just saying that because you're on the air. I mean that sincerely. Um, <laughs> so we talked to you last June, and that's when you made the big announcement that you're going to be part of the WWE. How much has your life changed since the time you signed? My life has changed drastically. Not just like as an athlete, but also as a person, you know, I've learned a lot and grown a lot this year, but also it's been very humbling to start from scratch and prove to myself that I'm the martial artist. I know I am, you know, are you nervous about tonight? No, I love what I do. And the thing about Roxanne is what she doesn't understand is that like, I'm new here to NXT, but I've been fighting my whole life. I respect her. She's a former champion, tag champion, Iron Challenge Survivor Champion, lo que es eso. But, you know, I am a true martial artist and I've dedicated my life to this. And tonight she's going to see why I deserve to be here in NXT. How much of your martial arts background do you bring to the professional wrestling ring? Yes. Um, I bring, like, just a different flair to this. And I wrestle very different than anyone else. And that's why I believe I'm a threat to this division. They've never seen anybody like me. And apart from 
I'm a master in Taekwondo, you know, I have an MMA base. So even if we're standing striking or on the ground, you know, I have a good shot. That's the thing where I think you're going to surprise a lot of people uh, because you do have that credible MMA background and you're mm-hmm. a tremendous athlete, but you're going to bring some different tools that I think a lot of that roster isn't going to expect from you. And mm-hmm. looks can be deceiving, Lola, you know this. And, you know, you're, you are definitely a star. You have that charisma. You have that personality, and it shines through. And I think that's a big reason why the WWE uh, signed you. But once you get into that ring, you're a badass. And I mm-hmm. think Roxanne Perez is going to experience that tonight on NXT, right? Yes, and I bring my Latina spice in this, you know? They've never had that before, and I bring that in. Have you ever, like, heard of making a Latina mad? I've, <laughs> that's what Lola is. You don't want to get Lola upset. I've made many Latinas mad. Yeah, that's not, that's <laughs> not, a, good that I, that's not a good idea. I did but, it on purpose, too. But Roxanne <laughs> Perez, Lola, seriously, Roxanne Perez, credible athlete as well, has done yes. some great things with NXT. Yes. This mm-hmm. is a tough first matchup for you to have. So, like, when Bully mm-hmm. asked you, are you are you nervous at all? Like, I'm sure going into this first matchup, there's a lot of things that you have to think about outside of the ring. But what's going to yeah. happen once you step inside that ring tonight? Well, the thing about Roxanne is that, you know, I respect her, and she reminds me a lot of myself in MMA because she's young and she has all these accomplishments. But if there's something I could teach her is to never underestimate anybody. And I think right now she's complacent and she's comfortable. And um, it happens to the best of us. But tonight I'm going to surprise her in that ring. Okay. Now, Roxanne is young and relatively new to the wrestling business also. How can you say that she's complacent? Because she, when you get all these accomplishments and, you know, she was champion already, tag champion, she's basically done it all. You know, at some point you stop, like, working hard and you stop, um, you stop, like, having that, that chip on your shoulder to want to win. And she's always been the underdog. And finally, she's gotten all these accomplishments. But now in NXT, the way she spoke to me, she's telling me, oh, um, you're new here. You've never been here before. You don't know what this takes. But she doesn't realize that I fought in a cage before. I may have just gotten here, but I've been fighting my whole life. So she she just can't challenge me like that. She's not respecting me or my abilities before getting into NXT. So she's saying you're saying she doesn't have the eye of the tiger anymore? No, she doesn't have it. And that's where I'm going to capitalize on her tonight. Interesting. Now, mm-hmm. you you had, you had a successful MMA career. You had a lot more wins than you had losses. I think you only had one loss. What made you decide that you wanted to make the jump from MMA to the WWE? Well, you know, everybody's always asking me this question. On social media, everywhere, they say it's because of the money, because of this, because of brain damage, all of that. The truth is that I've been fighting my whole life for other people. I fought in that cage. I saw Ronda Rousey become who she is. She inspired me. My mom had leukemia and I said, this is a way I'm going to get my family out of this. And I fought as long as I could till I made a name for myself, took care of my whole family. But this career now, WWE is for me because I know I was born to be an entertainer. I have a martial arts background. You know, I love being a role model to young women. And I think if anybody in the world that can represent their culture, it's me. And I'm going to do it the best way in a way WWE has never seen before. Oh, go ahead, Bully. Lola, 
in the world that you come from of Taekwondo and MMA, you're taught to defend your body at all times. In, mm -hmm. the, in, in the art form that we do, you have to learn how to give your body at times. How difficult was it for you to learn how to give over your body? Well, okay, this is another thing. People think because I come from a fighting background, it's easier to transition into pro wrestling. That's false. It's way harder to have to pull than learn how to give, you know? And that's why they're hiring so many of these young, talented athletes because they teach them the ways. But with me, I've had to kind of erase the psychology and learn a new one. But it's honestly the first time I ever took a bump I knew that this career was for me. It's natural to me. I'm good at it. I love the performance. And, you know, WWE did a great job with me last year, giving me a lot of repetitions, a lot of matches, um, teaching me very well with the best coaches in the world. I know I haven't been posting a lot or I've been kind of low-key, but it's because I've been really um, indulging myself into this experience because I want to be the best superstar ever in the history of this company. What has been the most difficult aspect of being inside the ring for you or has it been the microphone no um to be honest more of the environment in mma it was me alone with my camp you know my coaches my manager etc but now i'm part of the best company in the world so it's kind of um letting go of that control and allowing other people to um take control of my career and take control of my name and my brand and um, the promo, I love it. You know, I speak my little Spanglish and stuff. And that's me. And I've been giving promos. I've been realizing, like, after all my fights in the cage, I would give promos in front of thousands thousands of people without thinking about it, you know? So all of that comes to me natural. It's more of the environment and having to adjust to a different, completely life. Being a girly girl. You know, in MMA, I could never have my nails like this. My eyelashes done. My hair done all the time. But that's kind of part of what this business is now. So I've had to adjust to this new life and, you know, just be the best I can. Lola, talk about tonight. You know, you talked about your mom and your mom being sick and her battling leukemia. You know, I can tell from talking to you that family is important to you. So how is your family going to be watching you tonight? So my mom's a teacher. She's actually healthy now and she's very um she had a bone marrow transplant so my mom is healthy that's and that's a big reason i went into wwe as well because you know my mother would get scared when i fought she she would get very scared but since i was little she put me in dance as well i was always performing so i also think this new career is going to be amazing for her to experience with me hopefully when i make it to the main roster i want to retire my mom so she could go with me everywhere because she deserves that um but tonight actually my dad is coming i think he, he drives three hours and a half from Miami to the show just to support me for my matches, you know, because he's my coach. He's been there in my corner my whole life. And my father was actually a, a fight stunt actor. Oh, really? So at some point in MMA, I always thought, okay, I'm going to go into Hollywood one day. I know I'm going to do that, but I just didn't know when. And when WWE called, I'm like, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. But yeah, my dad will be there. My sister, she lives here in Orlando with me, so she's probably going to go. And so my mom and my little sister, they watch from home because they have school. And so it would be a lot for me to ask them to come here. But hopefully one day I'll be able to retire so she could be out on my shows. 
Lola, you said when the WWE found you, where exactly did they find you and who exactly found you? I think it was just um, like a mutual thing. I had that knockout that went viral with the dance after. And then, you know, I've always branded myself in MMA. I always had a vision for what my name was and how I always would make the matching uh, a gear for my my cornermen and everybody would have to match me and I had my logos and my banner and all of that. Um, so I think they just saw me, you know, more of an MMA athlete, but more of an entertainer because that's who I am at heart. And um, I had that knockout and then I had the fight afterwards here in um, Florida and Miami in the Hard Rock. And um, I didn't know in that moment that was going to be my last fight, to be honest. And um, WWE called my manager and they asked us to go see WrestleMania in Dallas. And at first I didn't want to go because I knew what was going to happen. I knew that I was going to see WrestleMania and I was going to do it. I knew it. And then once I went there and I spoke to Triple H and I spoke to everyone and I just saw this beautiful production, I just got goosebumps like the first time I saw Mamey and I knew that this was going to be the next chapter in my life. Okay. I'm guessing you got the name from being from Miami, the, the hit TV show Miami Vice, because, you know, <laughs> at, at my age, I remember when that show was a hit. So did that have anything to do with it? I'm just guessing. Yes, <laughs> of course. Of course it did. And, you know, Lola's my name. I love my name. Actually, Shawn Michaels chose it. Um, I gave a bunch of ideas, and that's what they um, chose. And I'm super happy with it. You know, my colors are the pink and the blue, Miami Vice. Yep. And um, I just think my character has a lot of potential on a lot of levels. And I'm only at the very bare minimum right now. But little by little, the world's going to see me explore that. One of the things that I'm uh, always intrigued by when talking with NXT talent is the coaches that you have access to. You just mentioned <laughs> Shawn Michaels, one of the greatest of all time. Who do you find yourself speaking with the most and getting advice from the most down in NXT? Well, okay. The I will forever be grateful for Coach Smiley, Norman Smiley. He, he helped me put on my wrestling shoes for the first time. And for the first four months of me being in NXT, I was with Coach Smiley. And everything I know now is because of that man. And I'm so grateful to have the best coaches in the world and their experience. And I think sometimes we forget that because we see them every day, but truly their knowledge is just so valuable. And also coach Terry Taylor. <laughs> I love Terry Taylor. He, um, I was the only girl in this class for a little bit and we just got very close and um, coach Oni as well. Honestly, all the coaches, I'm very close to them, but Smiley, Terry and Oni, oh, and coach Bloom. I love them. When it comes to the world of professional wrestling, sports entertainment, and what we d what we do, and how far you've come so far, and your family, what gets you truly emotional? I think, I think just thinking about me as a little girl, because I think a lot of people don't realize how hard I've been working my whole life to become something and to represent my family. But I don't know, I cry a lot thinking about this, but I'm proud of myself 
for following my dreams and my passion. I remember being little and looking myself in the mirror and being like, God put you in this world to be something big. I never cared about partying. I never cared about boyfriends or friends or none of that. All I ever cared about was my career, you know? And I'm not gonna lie, when I signed, when I decided to sign here from MMA, I was like, did I make the right decision? You know, I took a big leap of faith in myself. And I'm just, just very proud of myself because I'm a go-getter and I don't let anything stop me. And I put myself in that gym for a year and a half, the first one there, the last one to leave, doing everything extra. So no one could say anything was ever handed to me. But one day I feel like my documentary, my story will be told and the world will see what I've been through. Because a lot of people think, oh, she was born one in MMA, she lost. I, I debuted in MMA when I was 19 years old. I left MMA at 23. I was in the very beginning of my career and I was still fighting girls way more experienced than me, you know? But I think one day the world will see. And right now I just know as long as I run the play, keep doing what I'm doing, stay focused and make the most out of every opportunity I get, I'm going to get to where I know I was born to be. Well, tonight's going to be that that test and I'm looking forward <laughs> to seeing it. Really quick, because being part of the sports entertainment business, merchandise is a big thing. So tell me about what you would, if it was your concept, what you would want on your first ever T-shirt. Oh, I already know this. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so my slogan is, my fists don't lie. Do you get it? Like my fists don't lie? So I do want that on a shirt with either me kicking or like, a vignette of me or something a little Latina and with my pink and blue colors, that would be my dream. My fists don't lie. All right. It's good to know, Lola, that I can still wear my white suit with the orange <laughs> T-shirt and that's still kind of fashionable in 2023, yes. right? Like I could go to Miami and wear the white suit with like a bright orange or a bright blue T-shirt underneath. Right? Of course. Get online course. at Club 11 <laughs> in that outfit. <laughs> Lola, uh, congratulations. I can't wait to watch this match tonight again. If there was ever a reason to watch NXT, I think this interview is is very telling into why to watch this match, to root for Thanks. you. We'll be rooting for you. We'll be talking about it on the show tomorrow. Congratulations on everything. You've earned this position that you're in, so enjoy the moment, okay? Don't, you're going to make me cry, Lola. You know, that's, you know. I'm very passionate. I, I love what I do. I'm I, very passionate. I usually only cry when I look at my paycheck. And now <laughs> I'm going to be watching you tonight and I'm going to be in tears. Busted Open is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Catch the full three hours of Busted Open Monday through Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation, channel 156. Go to SiriusXM.com backslash Busted Open Trial to start your free trial today. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all handpicked from family farms then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. 
Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.